Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Dobry večer and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast with Piet Coleman and Travis Dole. Good evening from the capital city of Prague, and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Coleman. And I'm Travis Dow from the History of Alchemy Podcast. I was attending Mass in Old Town with my family a few Sundays ago, and we had a visiting priest leading the service that particular day. And as a non-native Czech speaker, I kind of zone out through most of the service, occasionally focusing on the faces of, of those in attendance. After the service, my wife told me what the priest had said. He was talking about perseverance and forgiveness, especially in the light of evil acts. He recounted his time as a political prisoner in South Bohemia in the 1950s. He, and many other men of faith, of course, were imprisoned by the newly formed socialist government. Educators, scientists, politicians, Czech military heroes, protesters, criminals, black market leaders, all found a home here at the Vojna Uranium Mine Forced Labor Camp. Most were innocent by the charges of treason that were forced upon them by the kangaroo courts put in place by the new regime. Anyone who could speak out against the, the new government or had a potential influence on the population were under watchful eyes, and many were placed in prisons. As you looked upon the soft-spoken priest, you could see the deep lines in his face that tell of hard years, youthful years that were lost. Travis, this camp was a tough place to be held for years on end, if you made it, of course. Some died of poor health conditions, and others died from continual exposure to radiation from mining uranium in the adjacent hill. Yeah, the Vojna labor camp was located several kilometers past the mining town of Příbram, just a 30-minute drive south of Prague, heading towards South Bohemia. At its peak, Vojna was a busy place of forced labor. Day after day, the prisoners would climb the hill you mentioned and enter the shafts to extract uranium ore, then back down the hill to place the ore on trucks. This happened continuously, day after day, evening after evening, in all types of difficult conditions. Other uranium mines throughout Czechoslovakia existed and many have similar tales of hardship. Vojna hard labor camp started with 700 inmates and through the 1950s the numbers grew to just shy of 2,000. The camp was not a huge facility by any means. This means the conditions grew more and more crowded by 1956. Gradually Vojna became the largest forced labor camp in Czechoslovakia. Now, the history of the camp goes way back to World War II. In its first incarnation, the camp at Vojna was established in 1947 and built by German POWs from World War II. These had to be repatriated by 1949, right? So the new communist rulers who had seized power in 1948 
then used the camp for the internment of mainly political prisoners. Now, Travis, you mentioned the connection to the Nazi prisoner camp, and nothing better joins the two eras of fascism and communism rule together than the sign that remained atop of the prison gate that you can still see today. Pratzike Savot which means freedom through work. And in German, Travis, this is very common. Yeah, I'm shocked they would even use this because communists are strictly anti-fascist. Yeah. So, yeah, in German, you know, all the concentration camps, like um, like I've seen Dachau in person. But, but even terrorism. But Auschwitz has the same yeah. terrorism. It also says Arbeit macht frei, like uh, work makes you free or, you know, freedom through work, they translate it as. But, yeah, I mean, just to use that same slogan is just unbelievable. So another connection to the Nazis this kind of involves an ironic twist that many heroes of the anti-Nazi resistance were imprisoned in the camps along with their recent adversaries, the Nazi war criminals, members of the former, former Nazi administration, collaborators and traitors, right? So these Nazi criminals were often used by the government of the prison camps to supervise the political prisoners. Now, if that's not a slap in the face to you as, as an innocent, yeah. innocent person put into prison, because you spoke out against against this new Czechoslovakian government, uh, to have Nazi and this is this is also an interesting uh, sidebar to this. There was, was an instance of an, a Nazi SS member in the prison that was released early before the rest before some of these other political prisoners, and the resentment just grew. And yeah, grew. I mean, part I think if I remember correctly, part of this international treaty, like I just mentioned, like they had to have him repatriated by 1949. Right. So they could they could still go to a prison in Germany, or even in East East Germany, but uh, you know they had to be you know the prisoner of war thing had to be done. So yeah, that yeah. So you ended up exactly like you said. You had uh, SS members that were released before people that were basically Democrats. Yeah, you know it's yeah. crazy. These prisoners were mostly people supporting democracy who had been sentenced for show trials, uh, often for 10 or more years of imprisonment, usually for high treason, for attempted high treason or for assisting high treason, um, alleged espionage, for example, and also for attempts to leave Czechoslovakia without permission or for subverting the quote-unquote popular democratic order, unquote. Usually, these prisoners had been sentenced according to a law number 231-1941, which protected the people's democracy. There's a, there's a lot of, if you can see the eye rolling here, that'd be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. According to the law uh, 86-1950, criminal prisoners and perpetrators of non-political crimes were also serving their sentences, as were people who had been sentenced for collaboration with the previous Nazi regime and black marketeers. And then from 1951, the Voina camp was officially run as a re-educational facility. Red flag, um, red flag. That should sound familiar, yeah. Yep. I mean, like you said, basically people there are trying to just get out of the country. So, you know, just trying to leave without without the proper permissions. After the communist putsch in 1948, a purge of the armed forces was carried out. Forty percent of the officers were former members of the British RAF who basically hated the new regime. The pilots were demoted as unreliable and enemies of socialism. Remember, these are guys that fought Nazis, right? Right. Dismissed from the forces and sent to labor camps. Outspoken students didn't escape the effects of the purges either. So, yeah, I mean... Well, you know, when you, when you have a regime going, and this is, again, the similarities between the, the Hitler's uh, Third Reich coming into this and, and the socialist movement, they follow the same script. What you do mm-hmm. is you imprison or kill or just get rid of the, uh, the educators, the politicians give you trouble, anybody's got a taste of freedom, uh, students that speak too loudly, you get rid of those guys first. 
All right. Then you take yeah. over the, the print media and then kind of any kind of communication, and then you get you do a little coup d'état and you've got the deal done. All right. And sure. This, this is this is kind of this is during the time of Gottwald. We did a show on on, on the Czechoslovakian leader Gottwald. Uh, Clement Gottwald was you know gave the green light for all this stuff to happen. So when he got in power after 1948, he didn't let go. He followed the same book that Stalin had written about how to deal sure. with dissidents. Yep. So innocent people were forced to suffer for many years in the company of other prisoners, as we mentioned before. Many prisoners tried to organize escapes. Most of these were unsuccessful. There were also protests, for instance, with a hunger strike, which is also called the Noodle Revolt, which took place at the at Voina uh, camp in 1955. The participants of this hunger strike were punished by 11 sentences for treason and subversion, and the punishment ranged from 4 to 12 years of imprisonment. Now, Travis... Some of these folks here are, are well-known art, artisans, uh, educators, uh, priests, men of the cloth. Uh, but there was also a group of guys there that uh, really kind of make you, make, make you surprised that they, that they were imprisoned altogether. And who, who were they? I do believe you're referring to the Czech national hockey team. We, we did, a show, <laughs> like, we did a show on the hockey team, right? Yeah, I know. And, and yeah. the hockey episode, I, I know we kind of brought this up but uh, on that show, but, you know, it's just... It's just they're the world champions, and, and we, what we mentioned in the hockey show specifically is that this is the Czech's national pride. So Even they, today, even they, today they, Even today, pride. but, but the, on the hockey, in the hockey rink, it was the one place where they could defeat the Austrians, they could defeat the Nazis, they could defeat uh, the Soviet Union, you know, and so this was really, like, no matter what's happening politically, this is where they could say, okay, we're, we're, still, we're still us and we can still be proud of something, right? And uh, the, the team that won the 1947 and 49 world championship were among the de- detainees here. And they were also each individually charged with treason against the new state. That's right. Uh, you know, they had a taste of freedom. The, these guys got to travel. I think that the 49 championship might have been in London. Uh, and they got to, to, to you know, get a taste of that. Um, they were probably outspoken, but the, remember, the whole idea for the state was even if you weren't outspoken, the potential of you being uh, a leader against the state because you had fame or you had a taste of freedom, sure, it, you yeah. meant that you had to be taken care of, and I mean taken care of in the sense that you need to be put away, and yeah. so they were now they were put away in, into into this uh, into this labor camp as well. Now, to get a, a better idea, I had to actually make a trip down here. It wasn't too far away from Prague for me to drive down there. And I made the trip to, to Voina a few months ago. And driving through the pine, pine trees on the far off of the main road kind of gave me that sense of despair, most likely from the remoteness of this camp. Uh, there really was, if you did escape, you can really see there was nowhere to go. You know, you were out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of the Andersonville prisoner of war camp run by the Confederacy in South Georgia during the American Civil War. You were really kind of distanced from, from anything. So, so I pulled into to the gate and immediately saw the modern gatehouse that served as the museum and entrance to the camp. Barbed wires and guard towers lined the camp where once the deadline stood. The deadline that you did not cross if you, were not, if you did not want to be shot by the guards. Several barracks still remain on the original locations, but most are slabs of concrete that just show the visitors where the buildings once had stood. Our tour guide, Ms. Marketa Nepozikova, described the design of the camp as I scanned the area from atop the observation platform. I split off to examine the modern art sculpture next to the real guard dog cage in front of the camp. The sculpture is of a prisoner climbing a ladder to nowhere, or to freedom depending upon your historical perspective. 
On the ground under the ladder lies pieces of broken metal bodies, I would suppose symbolizing the attempt for freedom of the mind where the body could not travel. Apropos to the dark moment, it started to rain heavily. We walked down to the cap gate where we were shown the cooler. Now Travis, you've probably seen this in, in many sort of military movies, what the cooler looked like. Uh, basically, it's an isolation area. You're, you put, you're put in as one person, one prisoner, devoid of any kind of contact for maybe about three weeks or a month or so till you've learned your lesson. Mm -hmm. This was not the case. This place was small for one person, but at one time the tour guide said we, they could actually have fit 14 people in this small little room. Now, this room also would flood with water that would go up to, to, to their waist. Oh, that's that room you described. And I told you it reminded me of the, uh, yeah, I saw the slave market on Zanzibar. And it was like, there's, you know, it's, there's not, it's not even standing room. It's like yeah. four foot high and they'd put 30 people in there. Crouched elbow to elbow. It's, yeah. With one, yeah. One, one pan for defecation and, and urination that you could use. And you spent days on end, weeks on end in there. So you can see the hard, this really was hard time served. Yeah, so the, the men that were imprisoned here hoped they would survive to the day of their release. Obviously, several did not. Those that did were left with, you know, basically PTSD, right? Like deep emotional scars. Others died soon after from malnutrition and radiation poisoning from the work in the uranium mines. So even if they were released, it was too late. You know, it was like dead man walking after Hiroshima or something. Right. Like they're, you know, yeah. still walking around, but you know it's... Right, and Not and so there would be year, years of years of uh, uh, pain and suffering of radiation poisoning uh, once they were freed. So uh, that was something that we did hear about during this tour. And the long brown buildings, it's accommodation for prisoners. And originally there were 12 buildings, each, each on the ground plans with the stone. And here is down is the bunker, so all the type of punishment for problematic prisoners. Prisoners had to do forced labor in the uranium mines of the area, which was, and to a degree still is, a major industry in these parts of Czechoslovakia. Uh, underground uranium mining, especially by the crude methods of the day, came with serious health risks. That were mentioned during this tour, with lung cancer in particular, mm -hmm. right? So the darkest times of communist rule in Czechoslovakia were those of the early years, especially under the Stalin rule that we talked about with Clement Gottwald. From the late 1950s, the degree of repression relaxed somewhat, and in the 19, in 1960, and amnesty reduced Voina's prisoner uh, numbers significantly. The Voina camp was closed down on the 1st of June, 1961. Some of the remaining prisoners were transferred to nearby Vitis prison camp. This prison is still functional, but under different conditions, of course. The Voina prison camp area was used by the Army between 1961 and 2000. So Travis, fast forward to the 21st century, and things changed quite a bit. Right. So in the year 2000, the whole complex was officially declared a cultural heritage site in 2001 and opened to the general public. The main political historical exhibition was set up in 2004-2005 and a new additional exhibition about the legacy of uranium mining in the area was added in 2007. A modern replica of a large guard tower as the museum welcoming location that includes a theater and a lift to the observation deck. So in our closing thoughts tonight, Travis, being down there really kind of gives you a, a different perspective. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to say to tell a tourist, hey, if you got some time, go take a look at a labor camp. Uh, it's, it's not on your list of things that you really want to do, but it's, it's some things that if you have time, you should do because it really sends home the point. Listening, I think, I think I've, said it, I've said it before on the show, but it basically ruins your day. <laughs> it, I mean, it does ruin your day. There's no, there's no, yeah, there's no 
cheering you back up after it doesn't like make that. you it doesn't make you really um, you know feel great about humanity or the things that are done here but I, I will I will preface it with this the amount of admiration that I had for the priest that was speaking at mass uh, at St. Salvatore uh, downtown Prague that kind of got me started on this journey of learning more about Voina is amazing the fact that he was able to conduct and still live his life after those years in the 1950s being wrongly accused of treason and put into a labor camp, surviving it and being able to kind of push through with the help of of his faith, of course, to be able to forgive and move on. That's something that uh, uh, is is inspiring to me. And I think that I would like to take that away from this experience other than the the dark feelings of lost lives uh, that are that were forced into this because these folks did not share the same sort of freedoms that we did in the United States in the 1950s of being able to voice your opinions. And I would like to say that it, it was dissimilar, but of course, the United States had to go through the McCarthy era and the Red Scare. So there, there were some repercussions for speaking out how you felt, but I think yeah. there, there's um, not, par- not to the extent. There's parallels, but obviously there's more differences than similarities, I would say. We hope that you learned something tonight about, about uh, uh, the forced labor camps here in the Czech Republic, the dark days that ensued, and of course leading to the brighter days that we actually see here as two American expats living in, in a great city and a great country. Mm-hmm. We want to thank you for joining us tonight, and we want to remind you that you can go to bohemican.com to learn all things Czech Republic related, uh, Bohemian related, from culture and history to art and sciences, anything related to the Czech people from the viewpoint of two American expats. Also, listen to us on iTunes for free. Download and rate us if you can. Once again, for Travis Dow, I want to thank you for listening. Have a good evening. You have been listening to the Bohemican Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Dow. Visit bohemican.com for more information on this episode, other episodes, and much more information about history, traditions, and culture in the Czech Republic. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, and review, and don't forget to rate us. We would love to hear from you. Send comments, ideas, and corrections on our comments page on bohemican.com. Or get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Tune in to our sister podcast, History of Alchemy, which is also on iTunes or on historyofalchemy.com. Until next time on the Bohemian Podcast, thank you for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.